Okay, um, if you will turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 14, we're going to be looking at the first seven verses there today, and uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about today are words, and the fact that words are powerful. Uh, I mean, words can, can be used in, in, in different ways, right? I mean, words can be used to, to prosper a relationship, right? Uh, they can be used to edify, to encourage, to, to prosper a relationship, or uh, you've got the other extreme where words can be used to poison, right? Uh, to hurt, to, to inflict harm, to, um, to damage a relationship or a person in particular. And, and, and we know that, right? I mean, we probably, all of us have been on both sides of that. All of us have, have been affected by words that have lifted us up and someone has said something to us and, and it's just changed our day and maybe our week and maybe our month. And, and in some cases, for you, someone said something to you that changed your whole life. For the good and for the better. And, and, and so you've felt that. And you've also, you've, you've all felt someone say something to you and it just hurt so badly, right? Uh, words that were poison, that were, that were harmful. And they said something and it scarred you. Maybe, maybe just for the day, maybe for a, a short period of time. And maybe still today, you're sitting here. And, and even as I'm saying this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a moment in your life that someone said something to you and you've never gotten over that. And you're still like harboring this, this frustration or this bitterness or this hurt or whatever over this one word that was said to you because words are powerful, right? Words are powerful. They can, they can do incredible things to help us and they can do incredible things to harm us. And so we're going to see in the passage a little bit about the power of words. And, and uh, the title of the sermon this morning is How Your Words Can Change the World. Because I think they can. Uh, and, and what we're going to find is it can be for better or worse, just like we just talked about. It doesn't mean that our words are necessarily going to change the world for the better. Uh, I think our words will affect the world uh, one way or the other. And so if you look with me in Acts chapter 14, Acts 14, uh, just the first seven verses there. Let's read those. Um, follow along as I'm reading. Let's read it together. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews... And Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and to, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Well, let's look at verse 1, um, just starting off. You've got Paul and Barnabas. They go to Iconium, um, and, and, and they go there for one purpose, just like they've gone to every place, right? Is to teach, to preach, to speak about Jesus Christ and, and what Christ came to do and what he accomplished on the cross and the fact that he's not dead anymore, even though the rumors were going around uh, by, by some of the Jewish leaders that, you know what, the disciples came and they stole his body. And, and here's the disciples saying, no, 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 we saw, the apostles saying, we saw him, he appeared to us. And, and we want to tell you the truth about who Jesus is. And so here they are speaking and it says they entered together into the Jewish synagogue, which was uh, what they normally would do when they went to different cities, and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Now here's, um, 
Here's our first look at how words can change the world. Here, what it's saying is they spoke in such a way that people believed. Now, now here they are in the midst of a Jewish synagogue, right? We've seen this over and over in the book of Acts, right? We've got these people who are gathered together teaching things that are against Jesus being the Messiah, right? Uh, week in and week out, they're, they're hearing things that don't line up with that. And yet, Paul and Barnabas come and they speak the truth and they speak it in such a way that, that people believe. They see that Jesus really is the Christ, that Jesus really is the Son of God. And, and here's our first example in, in this passage where words can do things to change the world. It's certainly the case with Paul and Barnabas and Peter that we've seen in, in the book of Acts as they've gone and they've spoken boldly for Christ, as they've talked about who He is, as they've not been ashamed with boldness speaking out about He's the Son of God and He is everything that He claimed to be and everything that, that the prophets promised were going to happen. He is that. And as they speak boldly about that, God uses their words to change the hearts of people. And it changed the lives of people. And so here we see Paul and Barnabas using their words to change the world. And that, really, it should be our desire, right? That, that should be our desire that just like Paul and Barnabas, that we would think, right? That we would think and use our words in a way that transforms life, that changes people, that whether it's at, at our home, with our kids, with our, with our spouses, whatever, or, or outside of the home. And take that to wherever, whether it's, whether it's in our neighborhoods or our jobs or, or here in the church or, or whatever, we ought to be thinking consciously, how am I going to use my words to change the world in a way that glorifies God? How am I going to use my words? How am I going to use my mouth to, to speak things that bring life, not death, to people, that bring hope, that bring salvation, that bring truth about Jesus Christ to people? The reason I say we've got to think about that is because if we don't think about it, we're not going to do it. We're just going to go through and we're just going to speak uh, hastily and we're going to speak quickly and we're going to say things that, that don't honor God and, and we're just going to go through life and just say things that come out of our mouth and we're going to look back and think, why did I say that? Why did I hurt that person? There's a great passage in, in Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, verse 20, it says, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. There's more hope for a fool than for a man who doesn't think about how he's going to speak. I you know I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that this week. Where, you know, the passage is first Peter? I think it's first Peter or James. This is your homework this week. Look up this verse, okay? It says be um, be slow, quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, I don't know about you, but I get those mixed up really, really easily. Because my tendency is, and some of you know this, I mean, my tendency is that someone will be, be talking and I've already got an answer. Like, they're on the second word. They're like, hey, you know what, yesterday, I'm like, got it. I can solve that. If I could just get, if I get my word in and I could say something, then I'm sure your problems will be solved. And like, and it's, it's, that's not what Scripture teaches us to do. It says be quick to listen and slow to speak. And, and what Proverbs says is those that are, that, are, that are quick with their words, that don't think and just kind of spew off at the mouth, there's more hope for a fool than for that person. Why? Because it's prideful. It's prideful in me. 
It's arrogance. It's pride in me that just wants to get a word in and solve a problem and, and put my input in. That's pride. It's arrogance. There's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks quickly. It's time that, that, that we start thinking about how are we going to use our words, like, like Paul and Barnabas, that wherever we go, whatever circumstance we're in, God, help me. Help me to think through so that my words bring life, so that my words bring encouragement, so that my words bring hope, so that my words bring salvation, so that I'm talking about things that point people to God. And really, that's our only hope to be close to what, what Paul and Barnabas are here. That's our only hope to be people who are speaking words that bring life, right? The only hope in that is that we're talking about things that give other people higher viewers, higher views of God, not of ourselves. And so often, the words that we speak, what are we trying to do? We want to give, we want to give this person a higher view of me. And if I can just say this, they're going to be really impressed with what I know. If I could just get this comment in in the midst of what they're trying to tell me and pour out to me, they're going to be pretty impressed that I knew about how to handle that. But what we've got to do is we've got to think, what can I say that's going to give them a higher view of God? What can I say that's going to lift their view of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did, what he accomplished on the cross. We have to set our minds and think that we would use our words in such a way that, just like Paul and Barnabas, can you imagine that God would allow us to speak in such a way and and wisely use our words in such a way that great numbers, just like it says here with Paul and Barnabas, that great numbers of people would believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Because our words would be glorifying, that our words would be honoring, that our words would, would point to him and not to ourselves. It goes on in the passage, uh, verse 2, it says, but uh, here's Paul and Barnabas, they're speaking and people are believing in, in, in Jesus Christ and, and, and the truth about God and, and what he accomplished through his son. Verse 2 says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Now here's, here's the second um, look at how words can change the world. I mean, here's these, these unbelievers who they hear the truth and they see the response of the people and, and they don't like the response of the people because that goes exactly opposite with their agenda and their purpose, right? And so they speak up and they speak up intentionally to poison the minds of those that are hearing the truth. They speak up to poison the minds and, and to do that, whether it's just in confusing it, whether it's just speaking out blatantly against it, whatever it is, poisoning their mind to not think and understand what is truth and what can I trust and, and listening to, to God and what he says in his word. And so they speak up and they poison the minds of the people. Now here's the caution about this passage, right? Because we know words can be used for good and, we, and words can be used for, like this to poison. The problem is we can look at things like this and think, well, that's unbelievers. That's the unbelievers that do that. That's the people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. It says right there in the verse, you read it, right? It's the unbelievers who, who are poisoning minds. Guys, if we are not careful with our words, we do as much poisoning against the gospel as these unbelievers do. If we're not careful with our words and, and, and how we speak and what we say and when we say and to who we say and, and, and what those words are pointing to, ourselves or to God, then we can do just as much damage. We can poison just as much as these unbelievers here. Because our... Our desire and our goal is to glorify God with our bodies, with our mouth, with everything that we do. We're supposed to be giving the world a picture of what Christ looks like. And so if the things coming out of my mouth, which actually are coming out of my heart, are not representative of Him, 
then we're poisoning minds. We're giving people pictures that aren't at all like Christ. We're giving them representations of what Christ doesn't look like. And how many of us have heard, man, I don't go to church because I know too many Christians. I, I know too many people that are hypocrites. I hear the way they talk. I hear, Guys, listen to that line and know our words matter. And even as believers, we can use our words in a way that poison and affect negatively the minds of unbelievers and believers. Words can bring life, they can profit, but they can also poison. And so here we have the unbelievers that are stirring up, but, but it can be us too. Proverbs 18 verse 8 says, um, and this is just one type, right? Okay, but this is just an example from Scripture. It says, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. What's that mean? What's the words of a whisperer? Go ahead and say it. What's it talking about? Gossip. That's right. Whoever said gossip, all three of you were right on, okay? The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. That's true, right? I mean, somebody comes up to you, hey, did you hear about? No, but I'm about to. Like, right? I know what I'm about to hear now. Like, it's, it's just like this thing inside of us, and, and someone comes up, and, and they say, hey, did you hear this? And you're like, uh-uh but I can't wait to tell somebody else. Like, that's gossip. And what it says is those words, the words of a whisperer like delicious morsels, they go down in the inner parts of the body. Proverbs goes on and it says that, that a gossip separates close friends. That words like that can be used in a way, and gossip can be, be used in a way that, that it separates even close friends. It does damage, it harms, it, it, it breaks relationships apart. And we have to think, we have to be cautious as a believer because sometimes we can poison the minds of unbelievers not even knowing it. We can poison the minds of believers not even knowing it. Another way we, we can do that is, is just by not being led by the Spirit of God and by God's Word. I mean, um, look, at, look at Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Now remember, as, as we read this, okay, um, if you're questioning, this is written to the church. The people that get this letter, is, it's the church, okay? And so just as a reminder that, yes, the church, we have to be careful not to use our words to poison, not to use our words to distract, not to use our words to turn people away from Christ. Look what it says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, um, starting with verse 25 through 32. Therefore, having, a put, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Let me stop right there. First thing he, he says in this section is putting away falsehood, putting away lying, and speak the truth to one another. Because we're members one of another. So he's talking about the church. He's talking about people who are a part of the body of Christ. People who believe in Christ because he's saying we're members of one another. And, and, and how we have to be careful, guys. I mean, I think of, you know, it almost seems like we're harder on our family. We're harder on our brothers and sisters, whether it's here or, or as the body of Christ or elsewhere. We're harder on our family than we are of those outside. And I'll give you an example. Yesterday, um, we were watching football, and Sammy and Alden and, and Leif were down watching football with me, and, and Jeff was over. 
Uh, he's somewhere. Jeff was over. And Sammy um, had a little football. They were just throwing a little football in the, in the basement. And he goes to throw it, and Jeff reaches up, and he's like, ah, oh, and blocks it out of his hand and knocks it down. Uh, now Sammy turns, he's like, ah, <laughs> that's so funny, you know, like, that's great. And, and so he picks the ball back up, he's going to throw it. Alden does the same thing. Boom, same exact thing. He looks at Alden, he's like, don't do that. Well, let's, let's talk about this for a second, Sammy. Jeff just did the same thing. And you're mad at your brother because he did it. And I think that's common with us, right? I think people that we know or people that we're related to, especially, I mean, in the case of brothers, like, man, the people that we're related to, someone will say something, we get offended so easily, and, 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 and we won't speak loving or edifying to them. And what, what Paul's saying here in Ephesians is, we've got to put away falsehood. We've got to speak truth. Why? Because we're members one of another. We're the body of Christ. We're a family. As you look around this room, for those of us who are a part of the body of Christ, we're together. We're knitted together. We're, we're, we're a family together, right? And so we ought to be encouraging and edifying. He goes on in the past. He says, be angry and do not sin. Is it okay to be angry? Is it okay to get mad and get angry? Yes. That's what it says there. Be angry, okay? It's okay to be angry, but don't sin in the midst of it. So don't lash out with your words in the anger. Get control of yourself. Um, do things wisely and settle down. And it follows it up here, okay? For those of you that are looking at your spouse and say, See, I told you so. It was fine that I was mad, okay? Um, let's look at the rest of it, okay? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Ah. Oh. Right. And give no opportunity to the devil. Guys, when, when we're not careful with our words, when we're not careful, even in anger, guys, when we're not careful with our words, what we're doing is letting the devil have an opportunity to use us to poison other people's minds and to give other people less of a view of God, right? Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear probably my least favorite verse in the bible for those of you who have the gift of sarcasm as i do you understand what i'm saying guys probably one of the most convicting verses for me in scripture because what it says is let no corrupting no words that bring death no words that that bring decay none of that don't let any of that come out of your mouth don't let it even come out if it comes in your head done okay just get it stop it don't let it come out of your mouth but only such as is good for building up only words that are going to encourage and build up and help the people that we're talking to. That's going to leave them encouraged and, 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 and better off than when they talked to you before. That it may give grace to those who hear. Now this is probably the part of it that I like the least because here's why. As I've thought through the sarcasm thing, I try to make excuses sometimes. Well, you know, it's just me and a buddy and... He knows I'm being sarcastic. Who cares, right? Come on. You know, God has a sense of humor. He's fun. And, and I mean, look at Scripture, right? And God's 
you know, he's got to be fine with that. And, and we're just buddies. It's not, but notice what it says. Gives grace to those who hear. So in other words, it's not just the person I'm talking to, but anyone who's around who can possibly hear what I'm saying, it ought to bring grace to those. And there's times in my life that, that I've said something sarcastically, and I know that people have to think, oh, so he's a jerk. <laughs> like, oh, so he's really just a jerk. And, and, and joking with someone, right? And with a friend who, who jokes back with me, and yet the problem is with scriptures, what does it say? That are those that are hearing from the outside, are they receiving grace when they hear me edify, build up the person I'm talking to? It goes on in the rest of the verses here. It says, um, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Guys, our words affect our relationship with the Holy Spirit and how we talk and how we speak and treat one another. It affects the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Guys, our words matter. They matter to, to the people that are hearing whether or not they're being built up, whether or not they're getting a picture of what the holy, perfect, incredible, amazing, loving, majestic God looks like or whether they are getting this skewed picture of, man, that's, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? I don't get that. I, I don't. It matters in that. It matters to other people and it matters to the Holy Spirit because it's, it matters to God. It, it matters to God because it says that our words and our attitudes and our heart and, and all those things affect our relationship with Him. They affect His work in our life. Go back to Acts chapter 14. Verse 3, they, they go from there. Here's this, these unbelievers who are stirring up and, and poisoning the minds with the, of, the, of the, um, those they were hearing with their words. And it says, so they remain, Paul and Barnabas, they remain for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Man, I love this because here's in the midst of... Um, all of this even persecution and accusations and, and words that are they're calling them liars and, and accusing them of things, right? And what do they do? They didn't leave. They didn't hang their heads and say, well, I guess we missed our chance. No, they fought with words of truth. That even in the midst of difficulty, they responded by speaking boldly so that people would know the truth. That even in a difficult circumstance, even when, when lies are flying all over the place and, and attacks are being made on them, they said, no, we're going to speak truth. Because it's important for those that are hearing these lies to know the truth. And guys, if we would just have a heart like that, right? If we just have a heart where we're in the midst of a circumstance where lies are being told and, and how many of us come out of those circumstances and we'll go to someone that we trust and we're like, man, it's just hopeless there. And nobody believes and, and everyone's saying this about God and everyone's saying this about the Bible and it's just hopeless. Man, if we just have that heart that Paul and Barnabas said, that Paul and Barnabas have where they, they just stayed. They said, what's the best response? Is it for us to give up and leave and bail on this circumstance and go somewhere where everyone just accepts it? No. They said, we're going to stay. And we're going to continue to speak boldly the truth. Why? Because it is truth. 
that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if people come to understand that, if we're just determined and faithful to continue to speak the words of truth, if people come to understand that, their whole world has changed. Their whole life has changed. Not only that, their whole eternity has changed. And they don't have to spend an eternity separated from God. They get to spend, like us, an eternity with God. With God. Excuse me. I'll cut it out of the CD. That's fine. Okay. They get to spend an eternity with God. See, that's for editing purposes. Sorry. That they get to spend an eternity with God. Why? Because we're faithful with our words. That we would be faithful in circumstances even that are difficult. It goes on in the passage, and this is important, um, where it says the Lord bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. The the Lord bore witness. He, He confirmed is a good way to put that. He confirmed the word of his grace, what they were saying about Christ, right? By granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now, it's important um, that we see here in this passage that the Lord granted those things to be done to confirm what was being said. And, and a couple passages that are important about this whole, the miracles being done and, and why they were done and, and when they were done and all that. I want to look at a couple passages on that because um, I think it's important. Jesus teaches on it some um, and, and I think it's good to look at that. Mark 8 uh, is one of the verses. Mark 8 verses 11 through 13. Just briefly. But Mark 8, um, starting with verse 11. It's not the right verse. That's a shame. What happened here? Do you know what Jesus says there? He says, I know what it says, so I'm going to say it to you in a second if I don't find it. Matthew too, so I'm going to tell you what he says, okay? Because I'm not going to look for it. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. The people came to him, the Pharisees came to him and said, hey, if you're the son of God, just show us. Show us a sign. Show us a demonstration. Do a miracle. Do something so that we'll believe that you're the son of God. And what he says, you know what? An evil and an adulterous generation seeks for that. They want the sign. They, they, but I'm not going to give it to them. Now you hear that, okay, and you can look it up this week. Do a word search and you'll find it. It's not Mark 8, verse 11 through 13. So you can cross that off and look at the other verses. But you hear that, you read that, and you're like, no, wait a second, I've read the Gospels. Jesus did a lot of signs. He did a lot of miracles. So what's he saying here that he's not going to do the miracles? He's not going to do the sign. What's, what's the purpose of that? What's he mean by that? A couple other passages on that, okay? Um, that I think give us uh, an explanation of what Jesus' purpose, all right, and what his motives and the reason that he said that, okay? At the end of John chapter 2, Jesus has just done his his first miracle, right? The wedding at Cana and turns the water into wine and, and amazes everyone. And it says... Um, Verse 23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. 
Here's these people who are following him because of the signs. And he said, I'm not even going to entrust myself to them because I know why they're following me. They're following me because of the signs. But I know what's in the heart of man. When the signs are gone, they're gone. When those things are done, they're done. They're going to stop following me when the signs quit. He goes on in in, um, Luke 16, and and you might be familiar with this passage. Luke 16, it's kind of a long passage, so I'm going to summarize most of it. But it's a story about the rich man, Lazarus. And there's this, this rich man who's, who's clothed in, in fine linen and, and every day he's eating. And then they've got his gate is this poor man named Lazarus. He's covered with sores, right? And it says that every day that Lazarus desired to be fed, right? And, and, the, and the king um, wouldn't give him any. The rich man wouldn't give him any food. And he would just eat of, 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 of the crumbs that, that fell, right, from his table. And the dogs would come and lick his sores. It's really... This wild story about this guy and, and, and the rich man. Well, the rich man dies. It says he goes to hell. And, and, and Lazarus dies. And he goes and he's in what's called Abraham's bosom, which was the holding place before Christ died and, and set those who had died free, right? And so here's this, this rich man who's in hell and he's looking up and he's, he's talking um, to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, in verse 24, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, this guy that I wouldn't give anything to, send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water, just the tip of his finger in water, just to cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Abraham responds and says, Remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. Lazarus in, in like manner bad things, but now he's comforted here and you're in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father. Okay, this is the rich man who's, who's suffering, right? He said, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. That's the Old Testament, okay? And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. We could probably think that, right? Yeah, I could. I mean, somebody comes from the dead and says, repent. Okay, I will. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. What Jesus is saying is it doesn't matter what miracles happen. It doesn't matter what miracle is done. It doesn't matter even if someone were to rise from the dead and go and visit your brothers. If they don't believe God's word, they won't believe the miracle. That's why Romans 10 verse 17 that we talk about a lot, it says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. That's where faith comes from. It comes from God's word. And, and that's why Jesus, when he said he didn't entrust himself to them and said to the, to the Pharisees that, that an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. And if you look further in, in John 6, where all these people, I mean multitudes of people, these disciples who are following Jesus, and, and because of the miracles, because of the things that, that he did, but what happened when he started giving the hard teaching of what it really meant to follow him? They bailed. Once the, the miracles were over and the, and the real sermon came where, where this is what you have to do to follow me, they left. And they fulfilled what he had already said. And, and that's why in this passage it says that God granted it, but he granted the miracles to confirm what they were saying. They weren't necessary. It, it wasn't necessary that the, the miracles happened so that people would believe. No, 
God's word was preached, and that's what's necessary. God's word being spoken is what's necessary for people to understand and believe in Jesus Christ. And so as we think through our words, guys, I know it's tempting to think, man, if, man, if you, know, you may be in the spot where you're just saying, man, if I just could see something, if God would just do some big sign, just something in the sky or even really on a billboard. Like if I was driving today and he just did some billboard sign, then I would finally believe. And what you're saying, Tony, I would believe it. I really would. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. God's given us his word, and he's, And if we just stop and think about that, he's protected his word for thousands of years so that the word that we have today from him is the same that it was thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago, he's protected that. If that's not enough of a sign for us to say, whoa, there must be something involved here, that, that something's happening, that, that this this is never changing and, and people are still 2,000 years later hearing it and believing it and their lives are being changed. If that's not enough for us, what Scripture says is that neither, neither would a miracle be. Even if someone came and spoke to you from the dead or whatever, you wouldn't really believe in Jesus. You'd believe in the miracle. You'd be amazed by the, the thing that happened. And then once that thing was away and you started looking at what it really means to follow Jesus, you'd leave too. Guys, we've got to think and we've got to... Number one, if, if you're in that spot where you're just waiting for that miracle, don't. I mean, look here. Because through God's word, you're going to, as you seek God's word, as you look at God's word, what happens is God will give faith through that. And that's what he chooses to give faith through. But for those of us who do believe, man, let me encourage you. We've got to use our words in a way that bring life and and wisdom and encouragement and build up those around us. And when we're in those circumstances where it's possible that brings salvation the only way that's going to happen is Romans ten seventeen. if the words that are coming out of my mouth are the words of Christ are God's word if I'm putting it in my heart if I'm putting it in my mind so that when I speak that's what comes out guess what's going to happen faith is going to happen because that's where faith comes from it comes from the word of Christ just to finish the passage here in uh Verse 4, but the people of the city were divided. So even in, in, again, even with the miracles, here's these signs and wonders being done. They're still divided. Why? Because they didn't necessarily believe the word of God. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them, Paul and Barnabas, and to stone them, which is a, a way that they would execute them very painfully and brutally, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby. So here's this, this circumstance, which is not always the case. You'll, you'll see in the book of Acts, okay, Paul, there's times when he walks into persecution. There's times when he walks into suffering. Times he walks into circumstances where he really thinks he's probably going to die by going and telling people about Jesus here, okay? There's times he walks right face first into it, and there's times that he escapes, we know of, of earlier where he escaped in this basket and got away, right? Because it was dangerous. They were going to kill him. And here he learns of, of this uh, attempt that they're going to make of, of stoning him and killing him. And so they leave and go somewhere else. And what do they do when they get there? Same thing they always do. Verse 7, they continued to preach the gospel, to speak truth. Guys, today that's, that's what I want us to think about. How are we using our words for the kingdom of God? I, honestly, we are. I mean, honestly, the truth is we're either using our words to advance the kingdom 
or we're using our words to poison minds against the kingdom. There's no middle ground. We're either for God or we're against God. Our words are either are edifying or they're not edifying. They're, they're either introducing people to Jesus or they're doing nothing at all, which is against the kingdom, right? And how are we using our words? Time, Honestly, I, I really believe that we think through that, that we think about our words and, and how we're going to use. Here, here's the goal of all of it. Psalm 19 this is a great verse. I mean, honestly, this would be a good thing. I'd encourage you for the next week and next month and next life. I mean, if we just start the day with this, Psalm 19, verse 14 says, that, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let the things that come out of my mouth, Lord, and the things that I think about in my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Think about the weight of that, okay? You've got a holy God, a perfect God who's never sinned, who never will, who only speaks truth, who only speaks righteousness. And we're praying to him, Lord, let my words and my thoughts be acceptable in your presence. Let them be approvable before you. Let them be what is okay to come before you. That's, that's a heavy prayer. That's a big, big prayer. But that's our goal, is that whatever we say, whatever comes out of our mouth, whether it's with our closest friends or with someone we don't even know, no matter who it is that we're talking to, whatever comes out of our mouth, Lord, let it bring life. Let it be acceptable to you. Let it be pleasing to you. That, God, whatever I would say, whatever I would think, can you imagine? Today, Lord, whatever comes out of my mouth and whatever I think in my heart, would, would you be pleased with that? Would you accept it and be pleased with that? And then, like Paul and Barnabas, would you use my words to bring life to build people up, to encourage people, and to teach them the way of truth, Jesus Christ. Just in closing, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Yeah, I am. I don't care. It's fine. It's not very long. So, James chapter 1 is a good chapter, but James chapter 3 is where we're going, okay? Let me read it. Um, really quickly, just the first 10 verses. Just as, as an encouragement and a way to prepare you, because, man, it's, 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 it's good for us to sit here and say, man, we have to think through our words and we have to, we have to change the way we speak. We have, to, we have to talk in a way that pleases God. We have to use our words in a way that pleases God, but just as a way to encourage you and to prepare you for that. Um, James 3 says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Now here's the thing, you read part of that, and especially like uh, verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. Well, I guess we can just throw this sermon out, right? Because the Bible says no one can tame it, so I'm not going to try. Like, I'm I'm not going to set out to fail. I mean, like, I know that I'm going to fail if I try. No, no, no. We have to read all the way through 10. These things ought not to be, is what it says. It shouldn't be this way. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, God living inside of us. And, and, and we're not going to be perfect ever until we get to heaven. We're not going to be. And we're going to fight this for the rest of our life. But the problem is we have to fight it. We have to do things that are going to fight it. We have to put the Scriptures in our mind and in our heart so that it's more likely that things that are edifying come out. It's more likely that God's Word comes out rather than our opinions or, or things that bring death right? We have to fight it, and we can't just give up. We can't just, these things ought not to be, James says. And so we ought to be doing things, we ought to be doing things that prepare our minds, that prepare our hearts to fight these battles so that as we go into circumstances with our friends, with, with, with those that we're just meeting, that what comes out of our mouth is God. And that He's glorified, that He's pleased, that, that those things are acceptable to Him, that that those people we're talking to are encouraged and edified. And, and with some people, they're just like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about, but it sounds right. It sounds good. It sounds pleasing. It sounds like what I need in my life. Well, what would that do for the body of Christ? Just leaving it right here for now. What would it do for our body if we just come together thinking ahead of time? Man, when I see such and such person or whoever I see today, I'm God, use me. Use me because I want my words to build them up today. I want my words to encourage them. I want, I want my thoughts and my heart to please you and to edify you. And, and when I leave this place, Lord, man, whoever I come in contact with, whoever it is, Lord, would you use my words? Help the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart to be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, God. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. Um, Lord, there's no doubt the things that you, you say to us in Scripture, they're not easy. And you acknowledge that in, in James 3. You say that it's a battle, it's a war. and We can tame animals, we can't tame our own tongue. And, and just like a great ship is steered by this small piece, so is our whole body steered by, because of our tongue. It affects everything. It, it ruins relationships. It hurts people. Um, but it also encourages and brings life. And, and you have chosen to use it to bring the gospel to the world. Uh, you've given us your word and, and you use our mouths to speak truth about your word and who you are, God. And so that's what we pray for today, Lord. Would you use the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, God? Would they be acceptable and pleasing to you and And would you use them to bring life to those we talk with, to those we come in contact with? And most of all, through all of it, God, be glorified. Be glorified. We want to bless your name. We want to worship you. We want to honor you. And so we pray that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen.